independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons. To support the show starting at $2 per month, you can head to greendreamer.com support to learn more. This episode is also supported by our sponsor, Osea Malibu, the original plant-based results-driven skincare line. I was really excited to share this with you because I've actually been using Osea's skincare myself for the past few years, and I love it. The Hyaluronic C Serum specifically has been helping to keep my skin hydrated in this dry climate in California. To get $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more, you can head to oseamalibu.com slash greendreamer, and the discount will automatically be applied when you check out. Again, that's oseamalibu.com slash green dreamer. Insurance companies often play a silent role, but they're one of the hidden hands which influence the whole development of our industrial society. That was Peter Bosshard, the campaign coordinator of the Unfriend Coal campaign, which is a global coalition of NGOs and social movements pressuring insurance companies to get out of the coal business and support the transition to clean energy. I actually talked about this briefly in a recent YouTube video that you can find at greendreamer.com slash YouTube. But basically, instead of only asking where our things come from, where our food, clothes, everyday products come from, we really have to start asking as well, where are our dollars going? Specifically, when we save money in the bank, what is that stored money being used to invest in? Or when we pay premiums for insurance plans, where is that upfront capital going towards? Besides leading the Unfriend Coal campaign, Peter is also the finance program director of Sunrise Project, which is an organization whose mission is to scale social movements to drive the transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy as fast as possible. Stay tuned here as we're about to explore how our financial institutions and insurance companies have been covertly shaping our market trends and enabling the continued expansion and growth of the fossil fuel industry how we can get our insurance companies to divest from and stop insuring coal plants and fossil fuel operations, and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. I was born in Switzerland, and growing up, I spent a lot of time in the forests, in the mountains, by the rivers and lakes. We're really blessed to live on a very beautiful planet. 
And being in nature has just always been part of who I am. I guess I have a rebellious streak. And so <laughs> when I saw how the things that I value most, you know, are being threatened for for short-sighted profit and for greed, that's when I became an activist. And coming of age in Switzerland, I was pretty soon faced with the powerful role which banks and other financial institutions play in bankrolling the destruction of nature. And so I decided to to take that on and to play a role in, in helping to overcome that. Mm. We hear a lot about what the individual should do to address climate change and our ecological crises, like reduce our waste, eat less meat, use more public transportation, upgrade to an electric car when the time comes, and so forth. Your focus has been on examining the financial sector, so following the money, something that is less direct maybe for the individual, but altogether potentially has a larger influence over where we're headed with our market and societal trends from behind the scenes. So for our listeners, who may not be familiar, just as an overall picture, how exactly are our financial institutions and insurance companies related to our ecological sustainability and climate change? Maybe I can take the coal sector as an example. Coal is a dying industry in the United States, but all over the world, it's still the single biggest source of climate-destroying greenhouse gases. A coal project, be it a new coal mine or a coal power plant, needs several ingredients to go forward. It needs the technology, which is abundant, which many companies can provide. It needs coal reserves, of course, which unfortunately are abundant as well all around the world. It needs government permits and then it needs finance and it needs insurance. Like if we want to build a house or buy a house, we will need a mortgage and we will uh, need insurance. So in many countries, groups will try to influence their governments to shift away from coal and other fossil fuels to clean energy sources. But unfortunately, we see that many governments are pretty much in the pockets of the fossil fuel industry. I think that's fair to say currently for the United States. That's also the case in other important coal countries like Australia. And so there Often with the best of arguments, with the best of science, these governments will still continue to license new coal and other fossil fuel projects. And so in such cases, it's been very effective to follow the money mm. and to make sure that banks, but also other investors and eventually insurance companies don't get involved in these projects. So how are we as individuals connected to this? So is it the banks where we save our money at? Is it the, the insurance companies that we pay premiums to for things that we use as insurance in our lives? Are those things connected? 
if it's okay, I'll first elaborate a little bit on the role of the insurance yeah. companies because I think many people will have heard about or thought about the role of banks in in financing unsavory projects, but insurance is is really a new topic. So insurance companies often play a silent role, but they're one of the hidden hands which influenced the whole development of our industrial society. None of the buildings that we are sitting in or that we see when we look outside the window, none of the cars that we see on on the streets would have been built or would operate without insurance. Mm. Without insurance, you won't get a mortgage for a home. You won't get the permit to drive a car. And the same is true for the coal industry and, and other fossil fuel uh, sectors. Governments won't, most governments, I should say, won't give permits for a coal mine if it doesn't have insurance. And no bank in their right mind would give a loan for this project to go forward if it doesn't have insurance because they don't want to carry the risk. And so insurance companies are really the final arbiters in many ways about what type of projects will go forward. Mm. And the interesting thing is that as long-term risk managers, insurers have been aware of climate risks for a long, long time. When I started to get involved in fighting climate change 30 years ago by now, the only... The only voices warning about climate risks other than the environmental groups were the insurance companies 30 years ago. And even so, many of them are still insuring coal. And that is just kind of a contradiction in terms. It's a bit like hospitals selling tobacco. It's legal, but it's hypocritical. It defeats the purpose. It's unethical. And so insurance companies should really put their money and, and their their services where their mouth is and, and stop insuring climate-destroying projects. Now, when you're talking about insurance companies enabling the continued growth and operation of, of fossil fuels, are we referring to the insurance companies that we may use for car insurance, health insurance, renter's insurance, life insurance, and so forth? So are our insurance companies investing in the fossil fuel industry? Or are we talking about insurance companies that insure business operations that are insuring these coal companies to be able to keep operating? Insurance companies play two major roles in propping up coal and other fossil fuel sectors. First, as investors through the premiums that we pay they have huge amounts of capital to invest they're the second biggest group of investors next to pension funds and most of them just invest all across the board and so they many of them have about 10 percent of their capital of our premiums invested in fossil fuel projects and if they made their investment strategies consistent with the risks that they see for for our society. They could play a major role in influencing 
in shifting the direction of our economy. But even more direct, of course, is their role as insurers, mm. as coverers of risk. And there, I'll say coal is a relatively has become a relatively small part of the economy. So there are some insurance companies which are not involved in it simply because because it's maybe too small for them or they they focus on on residential insurance. But many of the big insurance giants like AIG, Liberty Mutual, the Berkshire Hathaway companies, they are insuring coal. So to zero in on where we can make the biggest difference, the Unfriend Coal Network was started to pressure insurance companies to get out of the coal business and to support the transition to clean energy. Why the focus on coal out of all the fossil fuels and how much stake does the insurance industry currently have in, in this industry? We are starting with coal, but not ending there because coal is still the single biggest source of greenhouse gas emissions. Climate scientists tell us that we cannot build any new coal power plants if we are to keep temperature increases to a somewhat manageable level of 1.5 degrees. And what's more, we need to phase out all existing coal power plants in the industrialized world by 2030, more or less in the next 10 years, and in the rest of the world by 2050. We're making good progress towards that goal, but still not fast enough. And there is still 770 new coal power plants in the pipeline currently. If they go forward, we have no chance of keeping climate change to a somewhat manageable level. And so we really need to do all we can and ramp up our efforts in order to stop those projects from going forward. And that's why we have decided to take on the insurance industry as a, as a responsible actor. For the coal power plants that are being built in developing countries, is it still the same giant insurance companies that are insuring them or how do we how do we deal with the increasing number of coal plants that are outside of the countries where we live in and where we have a political say in there are certain projects particularly within china which are insured by chinese companies but in the rest of the world the western insurers are taking the lead it's a relatively small group it used to be European companies like Allianz, AXA, Zurich, Swiss Re, Munich Re, but then also US actors like AIG, Liberty Mutual, Job. Since we started our campaign on the insurance industry two years ago, we have seen very rapid and positive progress. Over the past two years, at least 17 leading insurance companies have ended or at least limited their support for new coal projects. That includes almost all the major European insurers. So Allianz, AXA, Zurich, Generali, they're not doing that anymore. And so now 
we need to make sure that the U.S. insurers are also joining that trend. The first big U.S. insurer job decided to adopt a coal exit policy, even with some major loopholes in July of this year. And we're hoping that others like Liberty Mutual and AIG will follow soon. That's definitely an important first step to hopefully help us to get the ball rolling so that other big insurance companies can can follow those steps as well. And you mentioned this earlier, but it reads on Unfriend Cole's campaign website, insurance companies cover a large part of the increasing damages caused by even more serious hurricanes, wildfires, floods, and drought. They have access to the world's best climate science and have warned about climate risks since the 1970s, end quote. So my question is, if they have to pay for these damages and they knew about these climate risks since decades ago, why are they still playing with this fire and not helping to lower the risk, but are in fact fueling it forward? So what's in it for them to keep supporting the fossil fuel industry? Insurance companies have an interesting mindset. They are not worried about risk because without risk, they wouldn't do any business. If there weren't occasional natural disasters, many companies wouldn't take out insurance. And so they are not worried about natural disasters in principle. It brings them business. They should be worried about these natural disasters growing ever more severe and eventually unmanageable. Because what we're seeing now in wildfire affected areas of California or in the hurricane affected areas of Florida, the insurers are pulling out of those markets. Mm. They're They're telling homeowners, we can't insure you anymore. And that's a huge blow for the homeowners obviously, because they're then sitting on those risks. But it also means that the market and the business of insurance companies will shrink. And, you know, it's starting in some areas, but as climate change grows more severe, and if it gets completely out of control, the industry, the insurance industry, will suffer and will eventually disappear. The head of one of the biggest European and global insurance companies, AXA, said very clearly, a four degrees world is no longer insurable. So Mm. once there is four degrees of climate change, and that's currently the scenario that we're heading towards, the risks will become so uh, large and chaotic that nobody can insure them anymore. And so in their longer term self-interest, insurance companies should help to accelerate the transition away from fossil fuels and to clean energy sources. And it's also simply cynical if now particularly U.S. insurance companies tell homeowners in California, including our neighbors, you know, a bit further up the hill, in the Bay Area that we can't insure your homes anymore, but we will continue to insure 
coal mines, coal power plants, pipelines, and the like, and will continue to to invest in these climate destroying sectors. That is just deeply cynical and and unacceptable. So basically, having some risk is good for them because it keeps them in business. But when the risk level is too high, then they become inoperable in that they can no longer insure anything if our risks are too high. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we're already seeing a trend in that direction. I was watching the climate town halls recently, and one audience member asking a question touched on this. She basically said that she and her husband own a house in a 500-year floodplain, and she's required to have flood insurance to live there. But their in- their insurance costs are going up 18% every single year, so she may have to move if she can no longer afford the insurance bills. So she asked the presidential candidate on stage what he plans to do about that to ensure that people like her are going to be protected. Would you presume that her insurance costs are going up by that much because climate change is increasing the short-term risks of more floods in her region? And given your expertise, how would you answer that question if you were a presidential candidate being asked this? Insurance rates are going up because of climate change in flood-prone areas, hurricane and wildfire-affected areas. In some cases, they would go up even more if regulators, for example, in California, wouldn't limit the price increases. So climate change is making life more expensive for us already, for example, through increases in insurance premiums. We can't expect insurance companies to simply absorb the losses, the huge massive costs that climate change will create. I think we should take the fossil fuel companies to court to cover those costs. Mm. But we can expect that insurance companies don't add more fuel to the fire and stop insuring those types of technologies and shift their investments away from fossil fuels. So if you were a presidential candidate, or if you had a lot of political power, what would you do on a policy front to make sure that we're we're safely headed towards this transition towards a clean energy future? My special expertise is in the financial industry and climate change. And so, you know, there I would, as a first step, require insurance company to to disclose, to be transparent about what they're investing in and what they're insuring. So everybody can see who kind of the villains and the good guys are in this sector. And I would strongly encourage them to stop insuring and to divest from fossil fuels. Of course, the financial sector is only one part of the economy mm. and the future president can do much more by finally shifting the way we generate and consume electricity away from fossil fuels, stop subsidizing fossil fuels, stop allowing fossil fuel companies to exploit resources on our public lands and pretty much for free, incentivize 
uh, wind and solar, which if fossil fuels weren't subsidized, you know, would be the cheapest on the market already, create a decent public transport system, which, you know, growing up in Switzerland, I, I saw can make life so much easier for people and can contribute a lot to to a healthier environment. And finally, you know, also encourage healthier and, and greener agriculture and just the use of our natural resources more widely. So with your work at Unfriend Coal and Ensure Our Future, with these campaigns, what exactly has been your strategy in targeting insurance companies and how are you going about getting them to take action? We're always starting with engagement. We're looking for a dialogue. We're doing our research and try to point out their responsibility and their inconsistency to the management of, of the insurance companies. We've done that with all, or at least tried that with all the big insurance companies where it doesn't work. And quite often, constructive dialogue alone won't do the trick. We have built up public pressure. We have created a global network with groups like Rainforest Action Network in the US, Greenpeace and Friends of the Earth in many countries, the Sunrise Project, my own organization and many others. So we have organized Greenpeace actions, actions at uh, the general meetings of the insurance companies or at their branch offices, etc. We have had hundreds of people outside the main offices flyering the employees and informing them about what they often aren't even aware of that you know some maybe remote part of their company is still fueling climate change um, we have had online petitions to some companies with more than a million signatures we have organized protests outside big industry conferences we have had full page uh, newspaper ads so the whole gamut of public pressure, we've also encouraged consumer pressure from individuals asking their insurers to stop insuring and investing in coal and other fossil fuels. But we have also started to work with cities and companies, which are important insurance clients who are often concerned about climate change, who may have divested their assets from the fossil fuels, but we have told them you can write to your uh, insurance company and cities like San Francisco, companies like Patagonia have started doing that. And finally, we're also creating peer pressure among the insurance companies in that most of them are quite worried about their public brand, mm -hmm. their reputation. And so every year we publish a report and this year's latest version will come out on December 2nd. So we'll publish a report where we assess and rank the policies on coal and climate change of 30 large insurance companies, including 10 in the United States. And so people can go to that report, to that website and see how their 
insurer is ranked. And that has helped to create a bit of a race to the top, where, of course, companies want to be seen as responsible actors, not just in the eyes of their consumers, but also their employees. That's an important factor which has been very helpful. We've realized that many, maybe most insurance employees have a lot of sympathy and support our our demands, our concerns. They identify as kind of, you know, on the good side of the climate mm-hmm. debate. They often thought their company were companies, their employers were contributing to climate solutions. And when they find out that, well, actually, maybe they're still also insuring fossil fuel projects, you know, many of them get upset. We have seen petitions from employees within several large insurance companies, and that's also an important driving force for change. So to support this increasing public pressure, we'll be sure to look out for your report coming out early December, and we'll do our best to also share that as much as possible so that we can help ourselves and people around us get informed. Based on your understanding of what's really worked and looking to what hasn't, what do you think we need most going forward to be able to completely stop the flow of money and investments going in to expand and prop up coal and the fossil fuel industry, especially when we know that renewables increasingly just make more sense financially as well? We have seen that our demands are completely reasonable, that we've got science behind us, we've got public opinion behind us, the biggest actors have moved. And so I think we need to all the more call out the laggards who still need to come on board, who in some cases may currently undermine the progress which others have made. So, uh, you know, call out the AIGs, call out the Liberty Mutuals, call out the banks like uh, Morgan Stanley and others which are which are still large lenders to fossil fuel companies and just ramp up the pressure on these laggards. I think that whenever we target the fossil fuel industry and coal industry and say that this needs to go, people that work within the coal industry and fossil fuels may feel personally attacked because their livelihoods depend on having those jobs. So what can we do to ensure that as we're campaigning for the phasing out of fossil fuels, that we're also inclusive and mindful of what this means for those workers so that they'll also want to be a part of this movement and hop on board because they feel like this movement also has their best interests at heart. Absolutely. You know, my own family, there's no coal in Switzerland, but my father, for his whole career, worked for a company which also builds coal-fired power plants. And I see that generation and those workers and employees, they're doing their best. And it's absolutely not their fault if their management has delayed the necessary transition. We need a fair transition. We need plans for the people who still work in the coal industry to do other work. In many cases, that may mean, for example, jobs in the cleanup of the legacy of the the mining industry. There is a lot of jobs in in restoring those sites. Uh, It may mean training for younger workers. And we see that some of the fastest 
growing sectors in the US are the wind and solar industry. It means we also have to work for decent working conditions and unionization in those sectors because, you know, often the the old jobs were unionized, whereas the new jobs may not be. So, you know, we have to support that fight. And finally, for workers who may have who may have toiled in the mines till they are 60 or so, we should also support very generously early retirement. I think if we stop subsidizing fossil fuels, there will be so much, uh, so much money to go around to support a fair, better transition. Mm. Thank you for sharing this. And to close, can you share some tips for our listener in terms of what we can do to get our insurance companies to stop insuring in coal and fossil fuels and to divest from the industry? It's relatively difficult to change a bank because we've got all our credit cards there. <laughs> we've got different bank accounts, etc. It's very easy to change an insurance company because the contracts come up for renewal every year and they're easy to change so when the com- the contract comes up for renewal maybe two months before the expiry expiration date write to the insurance company and ask them are you still investing in fossil fuels are you still insuring coal because that will be one of the factors i'll look at when i decide uh, about my next insurance contract you know i'm maybe buying fair trade goods. I'm trying to be a responsible gardener. I eat organic. And I think we're also important consumers of financial services. Many of us work at companies which have insurance and particularly if it's not a huge corporation, you know, you you can talk with your financial manager and ask, well, mm. who's our insurer? And they will regularly renegotiate insurance contracts, often through an insurance broker. And they can say, well, of course, we are looking at the premiums, but we also would like you to ask uh, what their role is in in fossil fuels. And that sends a very powerful message to the industry. Mm. So we should definitely... Uh, start engaging with our own insurance companies and to send those emails prior to renewing our contracts. And I believe we still have very limited options in the United States in terms of insurance companies that have completely divested or or stopped insuring fossil fuels. But what are the names of some companies globally that you feel like are doing really well that we should support? So in the U.S., CHOP, it's the first big home insurer which has moved away from coal. Globally, it's companies like Zurich, Allianz, AXA, Generali, and many others which are maybe less present in the United States. Before we go into our final five, to give you a quick update since people have been asking, I wanted to let you know that our 2020 Green Dreamer planners are in the press. Yay! You probably already know that they're currently being printed locally to me in Southern California. They're going to be made with 100% recycled paper, and they'll also include inspirational quotes from Green Dreamer's past guests uh, sprinkled throughout the weekly pages, as well as weekly and daily gratitude and reflection guides to support you to thrive. One detail I haven't mentioned yet is that there will actually be 24 
monthly spreads from 2020 January to 2021 December, including features of our major environmental awareness dates and also 52 undated weeks. This means that if you or your loved ones go by the academic calendar, you can save it to use for the entire duration of the school year. It means that if you go on break for a few weeks, you can save some pages there. And it also means that you can start using it anytime throughout the year of 2020 or gift it anytime throughout the year of 2020. And it will still be valid. It can be used in its entirety. If you want more real time updates, you can come follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, where I'm sharing some behind the scenes of the process. And you can also Sign up to Green Dreamers Weekly Digest, which is where I'll be announcing first when they go live. For now, onwards to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow, or a book that's been really profound for you? Earlier this year, I read Overstory, a long novel by Richard Powers, in which trees are the heroes and play the main roles. It was very inspiring. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I look at the progress. We've come a long way only in the last two years. Nobody would have thought we'd make such rapid progress with the insurance companies. And so, you know, let's celebrate those successes. What's one thing you're working on right now for your health? I work hard, but I also take breaks and I'm famous for my fruit breaks. So every few hours I take a break, I walk around a bit and I eat a piece of fruit. What are you working on right now to elevate your positive impact for our planet? I'm determined to make coal uninsurable for good <laughs> in the next year. And, you know, then at home I just try to be a good role model for our kids. And what makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? It's really the young people standing up, the school strike that we saw in September, the Sunrise Movement having a big impact at the political level. If our generation, if the older folks, if we stand up and support them, I think we can really change the world. Well, Green Dreamer, to learn more and stay updated on Peter's work, you can head to www.unfriendcoal.com and also www.insureourfuture.us. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Peter Bosshard, at insure underscore future, or at unfriendcoal, as well as on Facebook at unfriendfossilfuels. All of this will be linked in our show notes at greendreamer.com for you to reference later. Peter, If our listener would like to get involved with the work that you're doing, what would you recommend they get started with? I'm sure you're doing so much already. So thank you for that. And if you're inspired to also think about your insurance company, go to them directly or check out our report on our website, our scorecard, and take it from there. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today and for leading our collective shift from financing and insuring the coal industry. What final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? Again, thank you for all the contributions you make already. Often we're facing a lot of pressure, maybe uh, despair. I would just encourage all of us to to find inspiration in what we do, to to have fun, to Enjoy kind of the, the, the friendship and the camaraderie in, in working together with other people in changing the world. 
Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to take another moment to thank our sponsor, Osea Malibu, a skincare line founded by a family of women inspired by the sea and that formulates botanical powered products that have shown proven results for all skin concerns. To get $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more, you can head to oseamalibu.com slash green dreamer. Again, that's O-S-E-A malibu.com slash green dreamer. Oh, and if you're in the LA area, make sure to stop by their Osea Venice Skincare Studio for their therapeutic facials. As always, you can sign up to our weekly digest to get solutions-driven news delivered to you at greendreamer.com slash subscribe. And if you want to come say hello to let me know that you're tuning in, you can find me on Instagram at greendreamerpodcast or at Kamea Shane. As we're wrapping up here, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.